Hello, my name is Abigail Austin, and this is The Eco Enthusiast, a podcast where we explore the world of everyday people making a difference in the environmental movement. Today, I am speaking with climate mum, environmental activist, member of Parents for Future and Our Kids Climate, Miriam Wanjiku. Because I believe Africa is the richest place to be, but it's because we are being influenced is uh, the reason why we are still poor. Miriam is a force of nature. She has been fighting alongside of her daughter, who's another prominent climate activist in the Fridays for Future movement. And the work she's doing is incredible. Right now, she is fighting with her daughter and many others in Africa against the pollution of Lake Victoria, which is one of Africa's largest lakes. And it's being polluted by massive corporations that are not taking into consideration that people actually need that water. I actually know Miriam through uh, Our Kids Climate. She's a member of this group and I'm also a member. So, you know, we've shared articles, different ideas, and I've even, you know, contacted her, asking her feedback on something. So as mothers concerned about the future of our children, we have had contact and it's been wonderful getting to know her. So I was very excited to finally speak to Miriam about her work and the conversation was an eye-opener for me because it's the first time I've had a direct conversation with a person living and in the global south and fighting the environmental fight in the global south and it was a kind of reality check a bit you know splash of water in the face to wake me up to even though Miriam and I very similar, just two human beings trying to fight for our children's future and for Mother Earth. It is not the same experience by a long shot. So I learned a lot about what it's like to be a climate mum in Africa right now. I hope you enjoy this episode with Miriam Wanjiku. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I was just wondering if you could start by explaining to the listeners like who you are, and how you came to the climate movement and climate action, how you got involved and what you're doing. Yeah, my name is Miriam Wanjiku. I'm a mother of two. And my firstborn is a climate activist by the name Ramina Paulette. So when she was doing the environmental work, I used to take her to the activities and events. And that is when I fell in love with the environment And since 2021, I've been very active. I also made my social media pages so that I can encourage other mothers and fathers to join the climate space. Right now, we have mothers at Parents for Future and also OKC who are doing a lot of things in Kisumu and also in Kenya. Yes. Great. So your daughter was a climate activist. And how did she first get involved? So we thought maybe she wanted to be a model. So I took her to the modeling uh, agencies and uh, academies, but meanwhile they used to do some uh, projects for environment. So the teacher told me that when uh, we are doing the environmental work, she's more focused and uh, she loves it more than the, the modeling part. So she started by doing environmental work. And when it was during the COVID-19, where all the schools were closed in Kenya, and children had nowhere to go. Most of them were loitering. There was a kind of influence in drugs, 
uh, most teenagers were getting pregnant. So uh, she thought of making a WhatsApp group where we can involve the teenagers and also children to do cleanups and tree planting. So that's how Kisumu Environmental Champion was created, the group. And until now, we have so many chapters. We have the Bungoma, we have uh, Seme, we have also in Cameroon, and we have also in Bungoma. So we have like more chapters in Kenya and one chapter in Cameroon. And we also have a European chapter, which is called Let the Future Be Again Campaign Europe chapter. Yeah, so wow. we are really growing. Yeah. yeah. And currently, if you can see, we are in a small office. We've been hosted by one of the organizations in Kisumu. We, we were just uh, remotely using WhatsApp. But right now, we have a space where we can work. Fantastic. It's very inspiring. And for the, the listeners that don't know, like your daughter has been protesting with Greta Thunberg, like the biggest environmental activist in the world. So it's a great story that started from just a little girl's concern and then some cleanups. It's brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I noticed that you're doing this Lake Victoria campaign. Can you tell us about this issue? Because I'm sure many people are not aware of it. What is the issue that you're having there and what are you guys fighting for? Ephraim Internet. So we are having a lake in our region. That is Lake Victoria. Lake Victoria is in Kisumu. It is also in Kenya, Uganda and Tanzania. And it flows all the way to Egypt. We've been having issues with pollution from the big companies that are depositing a lot of chemicals, a lot of waste, sewages, and also chemical waste. We are also having uh, the fossil fuels, which are the plastics that are being made by the companies and uh, they don't know how to take care of the, the their product or even the waste. So we find that most of the time when we do cleanup, we find waste, a lot of waste, mostly plastics, we find glasses, and we've been doing a lot of activism, the climate activism, because the lake is where we are getting the economical finances. We depend on the lake to survive in this region. So we find that most of the time there is extinction of fish. There's a lot of problems with the repellent land and the wetlands are being encroached with big companies and making buildings. So we, we saw a need of not keeping quiet because the lake is where we depend on. And then we also depend on it on drinking water. And most of the time, sometimes when you open your tap, you find that the water is very dirty. And most of the people living around the lake depend on that water directly, not even treating it. So we've been having like water, waterborne diseases and a lot of issues with the children and infants. And that is why we said we won't keep quiet. We are going to do a lot of cleanup, we're going to do a lot of advocacy, we are also going to teach them about uh, the chemical waste from the uh, agriculture. So most of the time we tell them to use the compost manure and also don't use uh, fertilizers around the lake because once it's drained, it goes all to the water. Yeah, yeah. And it's just from the little I know of regenerative ag agriculture, it's not necessary. Like they don't need to be using these fertilizers. Has it been having an impact? Do you feel that you're uh, getting through to some of the farmers and the companies in terms of just, for example, the use of the fertilizers? Are people stopping this action? Yeah, sometimes uh, we find it very difficult when we are dealing with large-scale farmers because they believe in planting and also doing the fertilizer, also planting the GMOs. I believe you know what is GMO, genetically modified food. They prefer getting the profit than checking at the preservation part of the lake. So that is the challenge that we are getting. And do you know what, are there any particular companies that you guys are targeting? Are there any big companies that you go, 
these are some of the number one companies that are really making things difficult for us. Yeah, the number one companies, the reason why sometimes we don't mention the companies is for our own safety, but we have them around. The companies that make sugar, the companies that make drinks, but I can't mention the specific companies because of my safety. Oh, my God. So what is the plan of attack? So you can't mention the names of the companies. Are you allowed? So are you guys going to the government and pushing for governmental change on this or going directly to the companies? What is the approach? First of all, we had meetings with the companies. We had meetings with the companies about their waste. But the excuse is when you check their bottles, it's written, recycle me. So we asked them, why are you producing more and writing recycle me? Who is going to recycle? Because you don't expect the consumer to recycle and yet you are the one who is gaining a lot from making the plastic. So we disagreed about everything. And then they have that uh, brainwashing thing about the greenwash about recycle me in their, in their products. And uh, we also talked with the government and the government also has some issues because the companies that are uh, uh, doing the fossil fuel are the ones that are usually uh, giving them a lot of support. So they can't directly attack the companies because they depend on those companies to survive. So that is where we have a challenge. Yeah. And so I guess part of, is part of your, because that is a real, that's a huge problem and it's a problem that in lots of countries we're facing because there's different interests so people don't even though you present them the problem they won't listen to it because it's not in their interest to listen to the problem so is your goal really to raise awareness like locally and globally that this is a huge problem so that people are aware and hopefully over time the majority of people understand that this is like really dangerous way of living and producing things yeah, that is why we incorporate children and also parents in our activism and also the community, because we believe that if the community refuse to buy uh, the products, they, they won't uh, get the, the profits. And also the children growing up, they won't agree to work in those companies. And also they will know that those companies are making a lot of uh, trash and also doing a lot of waste in our environment. So if you teach a child at an early age, it is better off than wait for them to grow up is when you tell them the issues. So we believe that the, the children that we have in the space are echo, they, they, are, they are aware of what is going on. And that is the only way we can attack the companies. Yeah, I completely, I think that's the best way to go. There's so many ways we have to fight. We have to get the government to make changes and the companies to make changes, but also it's we have to change ourselves. As you just said, we have to be like, I'm not going to buy that product. I'm not going to work there. And that takes just like a really strong human spirit to go, I know that this is not right for myself or the community and I just refuse it rather than living in this, oh, it's not that bad and I need the money, this type of mentality, which has gotten us into this problem in, in the first place. You have recently got some uh, some funding, no, from the Our Kids Climate. Is that right? You named one of their fellows. Is that correct? Have I got that right? Yeah, I'm one of the fellows. And it's not like funding. It's a stipend for us to sustain ourselves during the one-year term. Great, great. And so that's going to help you continue to campaign um, for things like the Lake Victoria and so on. Yeah. Wonderful. And how did you get involved with Our Kids Climate? So I've been a member. We met at uh, COP27 in Egypt. So I was just volunteering in the 
Kids First campaign together with other fellows. And I wanted to be in the space because most parents need that safe space where they can speak and also just get encouragement from other parents who have kids who are in the climate space. So since then, I've been attending their Zooms. I also have been there for one to two years. Great, great. And how has your life changed since becoming climate active, environmentally active? Yeah, how how has this changed your life? First of all, I've gained self-esteem. I know what is right and fighting for Mother Heart has made me a strong woman because before I used to fear, like when I was taking my daughter to the environmental events or meetings, I couldn't be seen anywhere because of fear of being taken like a photo or something and also being told to speak about what we are fighting for. But right now, I'm really confident. Great. And where do you think that confidence came from? What do you think it is that has yeah, brought that out in you? Uh, first of all, when we do actions, for example, when you do cleanup, you find that some community think that we are being paid by the government to clean the space, and then they think that we should be cleaning after their messes. So that is when our activism always is very activated because somebody wants to abuse you or take advantage of whatever you are doing, throwing trash in your face, something like that. So that is where our confidence started and then we started facing the problem, not just keeping quiet. And then when we do clean up in that place, we have to tell the community to join us because when you do for them, they don't feel like they should be doing it. They must be responsible for their waste. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I, I have this question for you. You live in the global south and we all know now, anyone that's half interested in this topic, that the global south is going to suffer more. The cons- Everyone's going to suffer the consequences of climate change, but the global south is going to suffer more. And we all know that the global north is producing this problem, that they're the ones with the lifestyle that is not sustainable, that is creating this problem in the first place. What would you, Miriam, say to a person living a very heavy carbon, unconsciously living a very heavy carbon lifestyle, what would you say to that person? I'll tell them that in the global south, we don't buy clothes. All all their cloth waste is being uh, taken to Africa for us to wear and also to buy from them. Secondly, all their companies that are fossil fuel are, are being built in Africa and they're the ones who are getting the profit. Thirdly, all our agriculture, the smart agriculture that we do, are the first grade products are being taken to global north. And that is not right. So I'll just tell the person, like, if you are us, are suffering because of a person trash, because Africa is not a damn site. The moment uh, you are doing this, you're not doing uh, even a good thing to Mother Earth. So consequences are also coming to them, because so long as we are suffering, they will also suffer. When it comes to the cyclone and everything, you will feel like uh, in Africa, it is a bit not intense, but in the global north, it's too much uh, because of how they're they are living and what they eat plus everything. But in Africa, you find that when we have those kind of, it is not that intense. The problem is our worry is about the companies they're bringing here, the companies they're making, and that they're making a lot of money from us like right now, all our resources are being taken by the global north, the minerals and a lot of good things from Africa. 
because I believe Africa is the richest place to be, but it's because we are being influenced is uh, the reason why we are still poor. But Africa is not a poor country. If only we could reuse and also use our resources really well. But the problem is we, we depend on Global North for the policymakers and the negotiators that they want to make decisions. But only if we can be given the chances to do our own things in our own land. Yeah. That's really well. That was that's amazing, and I I love what you said that Africa's not a poor country, and that's so true because we have this mentality. We go Africa's a poor country. Okay, if it's a poor country, then why are we stealing everything from that? You know what I mean? If it's poor, yeah. then why are we taking mm-hmm. their stuff? It's not poor. Mm-hmm. That's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And I really hope people get that through their mind that it's not poor. That it's people being taken advantage of. That's a very different thing than being poor. Yeah, that was very powerful. So. Yeah, I'm just trying to get some questions here. We do have some questions that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast. One of those questions is, what has been your most profound moment in nature? Seeing our trees growing at Kajulu Forest, being able to see sunset at the Lake Victoria and the Lake Breeze, and also being able to provide solutions to the most pressing issues like water hyacinth in making biodegradable products. Yeah, yeah. Like just actually being involved is probably a profound experience in itself. Another one is this is exercise where I ask people to imagine their grandmother coming toward the end of their life and to think about what advice they would give to their grandchildren. First of all, I'll give my grandchildren a message like be the change by conserving the environment, planting and growing trees, maintaining our African farming cultures and eating healthy. And secondly, to conserve air, soil and water because those are the most basic components of environment. Yeah. And another one was, what is one thing that you hope never changes? The ability of humanity to come together and solve global climate crisis. Yeah, yeah. And the last one is, what is one habit that you hope all eco-enthusiasts will pick up? That will be sustainable lifestyle is to prevent as much harm for the environment through our interaction with it. And another one is choosing a sustainable, eco-friendly lifestyle. Those two. Yeah. I completely agree. And what is your daughter up to now? So you guys, is she also focused on this Lake Victoria campaign or what is her main focus now? Yeah, the Let Lake Victoria Breathe uh, Breathe Again campaign is our main objective. And secondly, we're also doing our plants, our culture, where we are taking people back to their roots, where we came from. Because most of us right now have time diseases, for example, obesity, heart problems because of the GMO and the bad lifestyle of eating junk food. That's really- for youth and children, mothers, to appreciate our own African culture and also our own food. Yeah. Because when you go back to our roots, we are not going to suffer and we are not going to have problems and diseases that are being brought by the GMO. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really that's a really great campaign, and I think it, it's another really important piece of the puzzle that that has to be figured out. Because yeah, it's everywhere. It's we're eating such trash, and like completely unconsciously, it's we're just not thinking about it. We're going to the supermarket, taking it, and just consuming this stuff. 
without actually thinking, where was it made? What is this doing to my body? Is this actually necessary? There's a complete disconnect there through our own physical health and the natural world. So it's not, it's great that you've got these two campaigns. One is about the lake and then one is like literally mm-hmm. about your physical body, what you're putting into it and how all of that's connected and to the culture and all of that. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I look forward to hearing more about that because I think that is something that every country and culture is going to have to to work on because it, it's it's crazy seeing people so unhealthy and especially yeah. seeing people so healthy and what they like to call the rich countries. And it's, if you're rich, why are you? Why have you got heart disease? Why have you got these physical problems? You should be incredible if you've got the yeah. bounty of life. It's yeah, it's a really weird thing that we're not connecting the dots there. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to say that I didn't ask you about, Miriam, before before we finish? Because I don't want to... Yes, Abby, uh, I wanted to talk about the clean air campaign that we've been running. Uh, so last year, we gave out 12 bicycles to community health workers because uh, there was a disconnect between uh, the hospital and the, and the infant and the sick people. So you find that sometimes uh, when the community health workers want to provide uh, like a system or like a service, they really have to walk a uh, far distance and sometimes there are places they cannot go because of uh, lack of transportation. So when we gave them the 12 bicycle, they've been able to save lives, they've been able to save children, infants, mothers who are pregnant. And also we, we were having those problems of uh, children who are having uh, kids. So right now they're taking their immunization. They're able to sleep in nets because they're being provided with the nets. In Kenya, there's a lot of mosquitoes. So we've been also fighting that and also making sure that the health part is taken care of. And also when we are doing health, we also take care of our clean air. Because the moment we give people like motorcycles or even uh, motor, the tree cycles, it is going to produce a lot of uh, emissions in the air. So when they use the uh, uh, green transport, like the bicycles, uh, to take care of uh, our health issues, we are really going to uh, have a safe environment. And secondly, the people living around the Lake Victoria are not going to suffer more of the waterborne diseases. So we are looking forward to do more of those projects, like providing watering cans and also storage system of water because of flooding. And also we are going to provide treatment for the water. So there's some kind of tablets and chlorine where you put in the water and then you wait for it to settle and then you filter. So we are hoping to get some funding for that and also give children like that that clean system, for example, clean water and also clean air. So when our children also use bicycle to go to school, they're able to go to school early and also to keep time. So we are focusing on community health workers and also children who are in adolescent stage. They're using a lot of energy to like walk and sometimes they lack, they lack lunch uh, and they go angry. So when they have the bicycle, they're able to rush home and eat something and then go back to school. Uh, so we are waiting for some kind of funding from anyone who is willing from the Clean Air Coalition. Yeah, just looking for any grant where we can be able to continue with the project because the first project we were funded by the Clean Air uh, Fund, but it was just a, a one-time funding. So we don't know whether they'll give us the second funding. So in case you have any connection on that, yeah, uh, we really appreciate it. It sounds like a fantastic project and one that if someone puts the funding down, they'll immediately see the incredible results of it. 
Thank you so much, Miriam, for chatting with me. Sorry it took us some time to get organized. But I, <laughs> okay. I, I really think your story and your daughter's story is really inspiring. And it's been wonderful to speak with you. And yeah, I'm sure others are going to be very inspired hearing your story too. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Miriam. I found her super inspiring. And yes, uh, I think it's so important we hear more stories from the global south. Um, us in the global north living our lives even those of us that are environmentally active I think it's really important for us to to listen to these stories so please as always I'm going to ask you to share this story it's it's a great story to share with people who maybe don't think that this, this is a great story to share with all of your friends and all of your community to just remind give us all a reminder of the fact that we have one world and that everything we do to other countries is going to come back to affect us in one way or another. So we can no longer have this very, very narrow-minded way of seeing things that, oh, it's happening over there and it's sad, but you know, it's not happening to me and my family. It's everything is connected. What's happening there is going to happen here. If a company, if a big company can pollute one river that will pollute another river uh we have to be very and those rivers are all connected so it's very very important for us to remember that even though miriam's story sounds different to our reality it's completely connected to it i hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time on the eco enthusiast